Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six, finds one. Welcome to another edition of the Cornwall's Podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. Always want to hear from you. Get your feedback. Of course, shoot us any questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, whatever. Um, either in the comments below on Indie Cornrows where the link's up at, or over to me on Twitter at MSchindlerNBA. Um, rough night tonight for the Pacers. Uh, lost 132-124 to 124 to the Washington Wizards, who were devoid of Bradley Beal. Uh, Pacers were missing Doug McDermott as well. Jeremy Lamb went down with injury uh, in, I think it was the third quarter. Um, also, a really scary moment with, with Daniel Gafford's injury earlier in the game. Uh, looked like pretty non-contact came down on actually might have come down on Edmund Sumner's foot but it, it looked non-contact originally um, and you know just hoping that he's okay uh, I think the best moment of the game from any perspective a I, I got two number one Edmund Sumner had I, I tweet this out I think the most acrobatic dunk that we've seen since Paul George was still in Indiana um, I mean, the team hasn't been super athletic for a while, but Ed, I mean, he just had a pump fake dunk that was just, oh, it was fantastic. Or I guess I should just say it's a, it's like a pump clutch, something like that. Um, I'm It's late enough when I'm recording this, and I'm decaffeinated enough, so just bear with me. <laughs> um, but then the, the other part, uh, Quinn Buckner on the call. I, also, we love Quinn. Quinn's, Quinn's fantastic. Um, Quinn... When the score was 69 to 69, his reaction, I am going to post a clip of it tomorrow on Twitter, so be ready for that. Uh, you were watching the game, or if you weren't watching the game, you, you really missed out. Uh, Quinn is a national treasure. He's a joy. The, the broadcast crew is just too good. Chris and Quinn are fantastic together. Um, and some of the uh, some of the small like little terms of endearment that they have and things that they do are just, uh, they're, they're great. Um, diving into the game, the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, the offense was not good. Uh, I mean, neither side of the ball was good. You think, okay, the team scored 124 points. How was the offense bad? A lot of it was just the Wizards being pretty pretty porous defensively, uh, I felt. It, it, a lot of times the ball just did not move that much. Um, it was a lot of isolation basketball. I mean, Domas and, and Malcolm combined for 36 shots. Uh, Karras had 14 shots. So if you, you put those three guys together, that's like 70 uh, percent of all the Pacers shots today so um, not great you know when this team is really humming you get the ball kicking everywhere I mean Miles took like two shots in the first half finished four or seven from the field ultimately had a pretty good game um, was the only starter with the positive plus minus uh, which again that doesn't really mean that much um, but ultimately I mean I felt Miles had a solid game defensively at least the offense was like hit or miss but point being like there were four or five times where, like, specifically one that stands out is uh, Miles had a wide-open attempt uh, off a block. So he, he hustled his ass down the court, got down, posted uh, on a—I think it was on Jerome Robinson, and they didn't find him. They set up in the half-court offense instead and went to work, and I, I'm pretty sure they ended up getting a basket out of it. Um, but it happened three or four times, not off of a block, but point being, like, Miles was going to mismatch, and they don't find him on it. 
And I know Miles is not the most efficient post-up player in the league or anything, not by any stretch, but with how how much he does defensively and how much he already defers to other players on the team, like they got to find ways to get him more looks and not just unscripted looks like that. Um, I really would like to see more actions get run through him or at least get him touches. I know he's not a great passer. He's not a great ball handler. I, I do think he's gotten better at both this year. Um, but at the same time, I just think there, there are so many possessions where Miles doesn't even touch the ball. And sometimes you can tell he's frustrated. Like like on that mismatch that he had on Jerome Robinson, he, he relegated himself back to the corner so that he could get into a good spacing. Um, but you could tell he was frustrated because he, he, he had an opportunity. And I, I just think they have to find more ways to make that happen because a lot of the offense that happens tonight is not stuff that's just sustainable. I mean, Malcolm went 5 of 10 from 3, which was great. Most of those were open looks. Um, so, I mean, that kind of thing is sustainable, but like, I mean, a lot of Domas's stuff were cause he got easy looks in the post because Washington's defense was all over the place. Um, and granted, I mean, Domas was good one, uh, he had 15 free throws tonight, went 10 of 15. So not awesome there, but ultimately, I mean, Domas had a really good game def- offensively, um, the defense we'll talk about. Um, but I mean, he turned over the ball quite a bit. That was the other thing. The pay, this team turned over the ball 14 times doesn't sound like a lot. They turned the ball over 10 times in the first half. It felt like every possession was ending in a turnover or, or a pass was getting deflected. Ball just wasn't going where they wanted it to. Um, it, was, uh, it was just you could tell how the offense was just not really in rhythm or in sync. Um, even when TJ McConnell was in and running things, he finishes with nine assists, but he didn't really have a great game tonight. It didn't feel like. Um, Jeremy Lamb, again, we, we, like we mentioned, he's injured. Uh, hopefully it's just like a small, um, like a sprain of his toe, I think, uh, right around there. Um, but I mean, I mean, yeah, Justin Holiday, he finished okay from outside the arc, but was three of 11 for the game. And I'm not just trying to read off the box door to you, but just to, to illustrate, I mean, the biggest issue, and it's not to say that it's all his fault that the game was lost, but Karis LeVert really just did not get to the rim tonight. Um, like I talked about in one of the more, more recent pods, um, Karis getting to the cup and at least attempting there or kicking out from there is huge for the offense and, and collapsing the defense um, in ways that, that other players can't. Like Malcolm can can collapse a defense, but he's not really an awesome threat at the rim. Karis can be at least a, a, he's like another level above, level or two above because Malcolm's been really rough at the rim. Um but Karras only took one attempt at the rim that wasn't assisted tonight. So what do I mean by that? I mean, he had the he had a dunk off of a cut that was nice. Uh, really good cut, actually. Good find by Domas, too. Uh, that was late in the game. Um, and I think he had another cut somewhere in there as well. But uh, everything was a pull-up from him. And that's something that, you know, in talking to people with the Nets, uh, or I shouldn't say with the Nets, but guys who cover the Nets, people around that team, um, that's been his thing with Brooklyn. He's a good pull-up shooter maybe not a great pull-up shooter um and tonight was one of the nights where the pull-up was not going and you could tell how it was impacting the offense and impacting him individually because it bled into his defense like his defense was rough tonight you could tell how frustrated he was and it's not like he was a total net negative but um overall like I I just think it, it jives a lot with what I'm mentioning the ball was not moving well enough at all tonight um and I really just think this is one of those games where you have to have more fluidity in what the role is for guys on the team. Like you can't just keep force feeding guys the ball. 
Um, not and not to say that it's disingenuous to say that they were being force fed, but like Miles had loads of opportunities where he could have gotten the ball. And this is not just a Miles thing. Like um, I don't know, maybe you give Ed more opportunities to run things or um, just something. Got to get different looks because there were a lot of opp- a lot of times too where Domas was over dribbling. A lot of his turnovers came out of those. You know, I, and it'll come more from. I'm gonna rewatch the game tomorrow morning and I'll post stuff on Twitter as well to collect my thoughts more on it but like it just overall offense was bad I don't, I don't care that the team scored 124 points it was not good offense um it was pretty empty um and it showed but yeah we gotta one last thing I do want to I know I was just talking about Karis and, and I already mentioned it but I just think that is going to be a really important development that we'll be watching for um throughout the course of his tenure with the Pacers I mean him getting to the rim consistently and going to the rim consistently it's not even about like he doesn't have to shoot like 70 percent at the rim as awesome as that would be that's not going to happen because you have to i mean a non-big shoot like zion williamson shoots 70 percent at the rim um so a non-big shooting 70 percent at the rim is like that's not very common uh and i should just say that's that just doesn't happen flat out for the most part um but karis just needs to get there more because when you're just to to illustrate like if you're driving into the teeth of a defense, but then you stop, you know, 10 or 12 feet in, yes, you can still uh, take take advantage of the passing lanes that are there. But for the most part, you're creating the most advantage for your team by getting all the way to the rim and then kicking out. Um, that's where you're getting a lot of corner looks. Like all, like there, it felt like the Pacers were not getting looks from the corner tonight. I'm gonna check the stats really quick. That's just off my reading. I could be completely wrong with that. Um, yeah, they only have four looks from the corner tonight, and they've been getting up around 12 or 13 a game um, the last seven or eight. And it, it sounds like just something simple. Like the Pacers have led the league in corner three-point shooting in the month of March. They've shot almost 50% from the corners, which is, again, unsustainable, but I think it was uh, 48.3% when I checked this morning. Um, that's something that they were really missing tonight. Like I, I think just those easy outlet passes that result in, in really high-quality looks – we're not there. Um, and that's just offensively. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to talk about the defense um, and some other observations from the game. All right, welcome back, Pacer fans. Um, so diving into the defense a little bit, um, how to begin with this? Uh, first of all, letting up 132 points to a Washington Wizards team that the best offensive player wasn't playing and they're already not that good of a team. Uh, that was a rough, rough showing. Uh, this team is coming off of a two-day off layoff, which they're not used to. I mean, they played seven games in 11 days, had their first weekend off in forever, and um, it showed in the wrong way. I mean, you normally hope in a game like this that the team is going to come through and, and uh, show up rested and, and look good, and that just wasn't the case tonight. Um they, they it really took them a while to get going uh, energy wise and even then they, they, they never really fully got there um, so Russell Westbrook finished with 35 points part of that is just like he was he was on one tonight uh, four six from three Russ is shooting 30 percent from three on the season you know that's not something that uh, you're gonna see happen very often but it happened tonight so yeah you take that punch in the mouth and say okay whatever uh, but the looks that he was getting driving to the rim, 
and, and some of the easy pull-ups he was getting too, because he's a solid pull-up mid-range shooter. He's not like amazing, but when it's going, it looks good. And he, he's been solid from there this season. Um, Jeremy Lamb was tasked with guarding him a lot of the time, and Justin was tasked with guarding him one-on-one. It just, with how strong Russ is, it doesn't make sense to have Justin guard him. And then with how quick he is compared to Jeremy and, and Jeremy's issues on the perimeter, it doesn't really make sense to guard him with him either. Um, I was a little bit confused by how they tried to guard Russ tonight. I really thought um, a lot of, like even then, like they would have guys go all the way out to guard him on the perimeter. And that gives him wide open opportunities to get to the lane. Cause he's still, he's lost some of the bursts that he used to have, but like, Regardless, he's burstier than anybody on the Pacers right now. Um, and that shows through. Like, if you give somebody the extra step that they need, then they're going to take advantage of it. And, and Rush sure as hell did tonight. Um, and more importantly, it was the looks he created out of it. I mean, he had 20, 21 assists. Again, I'm not trying to just reach the box score, but, like, it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, cool thing for him, he surpassed the Wizards' um, career mark for uh, for triple-doubles with the with the franchise and it only took him like 40 games to do it which is kind of ridiculous to think about um but regardless i mean russ was like a one-man offense tonight Rui hachimura killed them as well uh he hit some really tough contested looks but also he just we had the you know same problem as usual he's like a combo forward pacers don't have that kind of guy in the lineup right now and he was able to get to his spots at will especially from the mid-range um but overall the defense was just just terrible. I mean, Miles was solid, was a really good deterrent at the rim, but even he got turned around a few times, uh, wasn't awesome in space. I thought Gogo was solid off the bench. Um, he can, he flashed a lot defensively had a really nice block. Um, I think it was on Garrison Matthews or, or Raul Neto. I can't remember. Um, but it was a nice block, uh, did some nice things offensively, but again, even then like the bench defense looked really good for a small stretch, when Goga was out there, um, and then they put some of the starters back in, and it's not—I'm not saying that the that Goga is better than the starters, but he just had more to give tonight. It felt like, um, and the bench units really struggled. I remember I was uh, messaging with Derek Kramer from, from obviously iPacers, um, and we were talking about how positive the bench was looking to start because at, at the beginning of the second quarter, they were starting to be part of the unit that was maybe like getting a little bit of a gap. I think they had a six or seven point lead at one point. Um, and it was looking positive, and then it just kind of cratered, and we were like, well, we shouldn't have talked about them because rats. Um, that's just how it felt tonight with with the defense. Part of it was just not getting enough going offensively to make anything work defensively, and um, the perimeter defense just continues to be so rough. Uh, again, I need to go back and watch more individually because I tend to, when I watch the game the first time, I watch the back line a lot, so I'll watch the low man rotating or I'll watch – Miles and, and what he's doing uh, or Gogo and what he's doing when he's out there and, and Domas as well. Um, but so you can tell when, when the perimeter defense breaks down because of the way that guys are getting to the rim. Um, I mean, the Wizards just got so much from like 12 to 12 feet to the rim because the, the perimeter defense kept breaking down so much and Russ was just getting easy drives. It felt like Russ was the only guy in the game who drove. I mean, they also, even more importantly, when they would, so the Pacers defense, they sink in a ton to try and contest things and muck up everything on the inside and then close out the shooters. Okay, great. Um, the problem being, like, some of the closeouts they were taking tonight were bad. Like, Aaron Holiday was tasked with guarding, who was it? He was guarding Chandler Hutchinson at one point. Chandler Hutchinson's like 6'7", 6'8", 
super long athlete. Like that was one of the things that was that was confusing. Like Aaron should not have been like that. That happens so often. Aaron gets put on a guy who is just not optimal for him to defend whatsoever. And you might say, well, Marcus, just a closeout. But like exactly, you need a guy with real length and and some height to 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 close out to shooters. And Aaron has length, but like he doesn't have the height to to you know bother the shot of Chandler Hutchinson or Denny Avija, guys who are pretty freaking tall compared to him. Um, so that was just another thing that kept showing through tonight. Uh, Raul Nettle kind of had like a TJ McConnell game against the Pacers, which is like, again, TJ McConnell just was off tonight. Um, Chandler Hutchison continues to be a Pacer killer. I don't know if you guys remember. I will forever have it burned in my memory when he just absolutely torched the Pacers with Chicago. I think he set his career high last year. Um, his stuff was just easy looks. I mean, he was sinking, like I mentioned with guys driving to the paint, um, the the team was good at defending the initial action, but then it's just the second action where everything breaks down. Or it's not even that they're, they're okay, they're not good at defending the initial action because um, everything gets collapsed into the paint. And then it's the, the second, you know, a, a cut that comes through. Like Chandler Hutchinson took 11 shots tonight, and it felt like almost all of them, other than his couple threes, were off cuts. Um, just, you know, finding his way into an empty spot in the defense and, and um taking advantage of it and it like it's it just the team was just not there defensively I don't really have a better explanation than that um to to lose to a team that's starting Jerome Robinson is rough um like and that's not to dog Jerome Robinson he's a guy who plays in the NBA so he's obviously a quality basketball player but in terms of NBA players Jerome Robinson is not a good NBA player right now um but yeah, this is a game where you just it, it it like kills to to give this one up. Again, there were bright flashes. Like I thought, Ed had some really nice moments. Malcolm had an all around solid game, and Domas did too. And there there was positives from a couple of the guys, but overall, just a a really really rough team loss, especially too with Miami won tonight, I believe, or at least they were winning when I started the podcast. Uh, they were up double digits on the Knicks, so. Um, given how the Knicks offense isn't that great, I imagine that that the Heat will win that game. Um, that ju- this is just the kind of win that you need to bank when you're trying to really claw your way into the top of a playoff seed. And again, you could, as always, we can debate uh, whether or not this team should be fighting for a higher playoff spot or whether or not it would be better for them to to get a lottery pick. I think it would be better for, for them to get a lottery pick, just given how the season's going, because... This is like the kind of game that the Pacers would not lose last year in the Nate McMillan era. And that's not to say that um, this era is better than the McMillan era, that Nate Bjorkman's a better coach. Um, they're they're doing new things. They're experimenting. They're trying different things. But it's just different from last year where everything was schemed and scheduled and planned. And, and every regular season game was treated like a, like a playoff game. And it's different now. And again, not in a bad way. I think it's important that the team's taking that step, but that's just where the team is right now. Um, and you're going to, uh, obviously, with, with TJ Warren out, um, it, like, I, I, I just have genuine questions about what the team's playoff ceiling is going to be. I think that they'll make the playoffs, um, or at least the play-in. Uh, I mean, I still think the team is too talented to not make the playoffs. Granted, Chicago's going to be even better. I'm actually about to, as soon as I'm done watching this, I'm probably going to watch them play. Um, but... I mean, in closing, just a really rough game to give up uh, from a team's perspective and some Karras's performance. Okay, the last thing I do want to hit on with Karras, 
try and be patient with it. Uh, he did not play basketball for, for over a month, um, was not even on the court for over a month. That, that does a lot to you in terms of physically not getting back, mentally not being in the right headspace, um, and overall just making it hard to, to be an elite-level athlete. Like elite, elite athletes thrive on being consistent and, and having repetition and being able to, to do these things. And um, I know Karras' offense has not been there. Like his true shooting throughout has been pretty abysmal, um, especially if you exclude the Detroit game where he was pretty solid. Um, but just try and be patient with him and give him time because I think it's going to be a, a, a decent amount of time before he's back. Um, and lastly, I will say it one more time, Miles Turner needs more touches on offense. He was also a little bit passive on some of his shots, but it also just felt like he was trying to get to the ball, the ball to the guys who um, are commanding a lot of the offense. So I don't know what the answer is with that, but uh, Miles taking only seven shots is just, it's not enough. Um, so a lot that can be improved on, and it seems like there's a, there's going to be even more shaking up. As, uh, I, I don't know if Jeremy Lamb will play on Wednesday. We'll find out uh, on Wednesday or tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if Doug McDermott will be back on Wednesday, but uh, we'll see. Regardless, should be more opportunities for Aaron Holiday, um, more opportunities for the team going on. I mean, the, the Hornets have been very good. They lost a close game in overtime last night to the Suns, who have been fantastic recently. Um, going to be a tough win, especially too. Uh, they are tied in the season series, and it's going to be the last game against Charlotte. So uh, that is a potential playoff matchup um, based on how things could shake out. So important to win this game uh, coming up on Wednesday and then the Spurs again on Friday. Uh, or I, I don't know why I said it again. They haven't played the Spurs yet this year. Uh, I don't think this is the rescheduled game, uh, but it's, I mean, regardless, one of the games against the Spurs. Um, the Spurs have been good as well. So tough matchups ahead, um, but we'll be catching it. So. Thank you guys for uh, for checking in. Actually, wait. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I totally messed it up. Miami is on Wednesday. Victor might play in that game. Not sure yet. He was uh, He's out tonight in, in Miami's game, so we'll find out on Wednesday. Um, they play Charlotte on Friday, San Antonio on Saturday. I had that totally mixed up in my head. Um, definitely more pods coming this week. I'll have another one. Uh, to, oh, I'll be recording another one tomorrow, previewing the Heat game. Um, we'll have post-game pods coming up after as well. Be sure to check out everything we're writing over at Indy Cornrows. Caitlin had a fantastic article this morning on Edmund Sumner. Um, so go check that out. Thank you to everyone for listening. And, of course, have a good rest of your day.